If you found a hundred bucks on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? That's what I thought. Of course you would take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with my bookie. Know you can bet on games after kickoff. If in the second half it looks like your bet's going to lose, you can always just hedge. Take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's a lot of money. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE. You pay, you win, you get paid. Hey, y'all. This is Pistons versus Everybody, the Pistons podcast from the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Laz Jackson, and the season is basically here. Uh, other teams across the league have already had their media days. Detroit Media's Day is uh, Monday, September 30th. Uh, that means we are functionally moments away from preseason basketball. And once you're functionally moments away from preseason basketball, you're functionally moments away from the start of the regular season and all that that, all that, that entails. But uh, running it back a little bit, uh, on media day, we, we Pistons fans already kind of know what's going to be said. We, we know the expectations that this Pistons team has for itself. Uh, regular season success uh, and health translating into playoff success, maybe advancing around, maybe not, but, uh, but maintaining and improving upon the, uh, the groundwork that was laid last year in the, in the first year of the Dwayne Casey, Ed Stefanski era. Um, we know how the team would accomplish that. Uh, the team made upgrades to backup point guard and backup power forward. Uh, they are leaning, uh, not super heavily, but they're leaning on the internal development of some key young guys, including Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, and Sophie Mikhailuk. And uh, they're also leaning on the motivation of functional contract years for two of the team's best three players in Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. Uh, so because we know all that, I wanted to give you guys a, a podcast about the teams the Pistons are going to compete with in the Eastern Conference, uh, what those teams did, and how that uh, does or doesn't put them over the top for the Pistons uh, in the East. This is Pistons versus everybody, and you have to know your enemy before you can defeat them. And so... In this podcast, I want to talk about three different teams uh, that the Pistons should be uh, surrounded by in the conference standings uh, this season. We'll start in Miami. Miami is projected to win uh, 43 games by uh, 538. They are projected to win 43 games per ESPN Kevin uh, Pelton's RPM flavored projections. Uh, right now, my personal Laz Jackson predictions have uh, Miami at 42 wins and 8th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, when, I, when I look at Miami, what I see really is just Jimmy Butler and uh, the Butlerettes. Um, is, is, he really, is Jimmy really good enough to surround with, with role players and expect like significant regular season success at this stage in his career? Um, when you look at the rest of their roster, it's you know 33-year-old Goran Dragic. Uh, James Johnson, uh, Kelly Olenek, and Dion Waiters. Like th- these are guys who are definitely rotation players in the NBA, but there's no there's no second star. There's no 
there's no uh, there's no second guy, and you can tell that Miami feels the same way about that because of their uh, continued rumored pursuit of that second guy. Uh, maybe it's Chris Prawl, maybe it's Bradley Beal, but uh, there's definitely been a lot of rumblings and uh, trade tremors uh, surrounding Miami's uh, surrounding Miami's uh, desire to to coalesce some of their talent into into a second star. Um, you know, until they do that, you know, they were the 26th best offense last year and it'll be around that. Jimmy Butler is, you know, a better version of, of Dwayne Wade, but he offers, you know, a very similar version of what Dwayne Wade offered this team last year, just better in terms of, in terms of shot creation, in terms of, uh, not extreme spacing off ball, uh, in terms of leadership, a hundred percent, uh, and in terms of, uh, in terms of defense, he's a much he's a much better defender on that end. Um, the other thing, the thing I look at with Miami is is their big man as well. Uh, can they survive defensively on a night to night basis with Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard? Uh, those, both of those guys are going to play major minutes for them. Um, Bam Adebayo is going to start at center most likely, but uh, the the only other big men on the roster are Derek Jones Jr. Uh, and Udonis Haslam, uh, both guys. I don't. Uh, I don't expect to see uh, a ton of play at the at the center possession, and I don't think you know. I don't think UW is going to play that much at all. If we're going to be, uh, he's there for his leadership, for being honest. Um, and so you know, there's going to be you know 30 to 35 minutes a night in which you know Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard are are out there for the Miami Heat, and how are they going to survive defensively uh, on on that end with those guys? Um, and even Bam, like I like Bam a lot, but, uh, I see him more when, when I see Bam play, I see him more as a, a perimeter defender, as a switch big. There's the, uh, the infamous clip of Bam, like locking up Steph Curry in the corner. Um, but he averaged, you know, less than a block a game. Uh, he averaged, I think like just barely over a block, uh, per 36 minutes. And so, uh, I think he is a really good I think he's a really good perimeter defender, but um, I think he's not really a quote-unquote like rim protector, if that makes any sense. Um, he have a lot of size on the perimeter, so maybe they're they're hoping that um, that you know slows down dribble penetration and allows Bam time to uh, to contest shots. But uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I don't know how you can rely on that on a night by night basis. You know, there were times last season when uh, Spolstra played a lot of zone to uh, to uh, clean up some of the team's communication errors on defense. Uh, you you would hope that um, that they don't they're not well, it worked for them. So you, I think you expect to see some of it, but uh, you hope that those communication errors have been cleaned up a little bit. But you know sometimes if it's just like you put Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard in pick and rolls, like you're there are going to be bad things happening to you on occasion. And so like that, that is huge. That is, that is a very visible problem for them defensively. And part of the reason why I think I am just, uh, just lower on them than other people. Well, you know, I had them at 42 wins and they're projected at 43 wins. So I think, I think I've got them rated fairly appropriately, but there's been a lot of, uh, recent preseason hype, well, uh, preseason hype in that, uh, they've been discussed as potentially very intriguing by uh, the premier NBA analyst, uh, ESPN's Zach Lowe, and so like that tends to uh, sh- that tends to shape 
perception uh, across uh, NBA circles, at least the NBA circles that I got access to. Um, so people are people are talking up the heat in a much more uh, serious way than they were previously in my mind uh, because of what Zach Lowe said. But to me, they've, they've kind of always been uh, what they are. And, uh, you know, the other thing is they, they lack a lot of shooting. You can, you can see why they, they, they drafted Tyler hero, right? Like they, again, the 26th best offense in the league last year, um, justice Winslow was their second best three point shooter by percentage. And he's, he's a, he has transformed himself into like a good and acceptable spot up shooter. But like he is not, he's no one's definition of a, of a shooter. And he was, and he was their second best guy last year. Uh, you expect that, uh, Jimmy will come in and shoot. Uh, a little bit better than uh, than they're maybe used to on the wings. Um, you assume that if if Hero uh, gets a lot of playing time, that he will be a presumably pretty good shooter. Um, in, in summer league, he looked like a guy who was confident who could knock down shots. And uh, even if his role is, I I, I highly uh, I highly uh, doubt his his role will be like what he was doing in summer league, ball handling and. and uh, playing downhill a bunch, but like even if he's just a guy who's spacing the floor, spotting up, or if they're you know running him off the Bam Adebayo DHOs and stuff, and he's pulling up in, in that way, if he's playing functionally very much like uh, Wayne Ellington did for them prior to when Wayne Ellington was signed for the Pistons, um, I think that'll help some of their spacing concerns. But then then again, that's that's only one guy, right? Uh, Myers Leonard maybe helps a little bit of that. Myers is a, a really good three point shooter for a big man, but. Um, if he's if he's given if he's shooting three and giving back two every possession, like I don't know how I don't know how that's gonna really play uh, in Miami. Um, and the the lack of spacing is not just like like oh they don't have any shooters so so they can't score like it it filters down throughout the the rest of their team right like they have all these really good uh, pick and roll creators they have guys like uh, like Dion Waiters and Justice Winslow has turned himself into a really good pick and roll player. And they have uh, Jimmy Butler, who's good in isolation and good and you know pretty good in the pick and roll, but uh, the lack of spacing kind of compresses, allows the defense to compress and, and play uh, down on those guys, and it makes everybody else less effective. Um, you know, Pistons fans are familiar with this, right? We've seen what happens when you put uh, like an Ish Smith and a Stanley Johnson and and a big man together on the floor. It just really compresses the spacing and, and makes it difficult to score. Like that's. Uh, when when Kelly Olynyk and uh, Myers Leonard are on the floor, like they'll have one spacing big, but like that's basically Miami's like roster up and up and down up and down the uh, the rotation, and so the the lack of their lack of spacing would be a real concern for me. Like I think Jimmy Butler makes them a better offensive team, but like improving from twenty sixth, like I don't, they're not magically going to turn into like the twelfth best offense or or something like that. And so, like that's that's part of the reason why I think the the Pistons will be better. Like I kn- I know how the Pistons are going to score points. Uh, the Pistons are going to score points with Blake Griffin in the post and on the perimeter. Blake has turned himself into like a really good pull up three point shooter, which has been huge. Uh, they're going to score points with Reggie Jackson, Derrick Rose, and Luke Kennard in the pick and roll, and they're going to score points with Andre Drummond as the roll man. Um, the Heat, on the other hand, are going to do like what like like Dion Waiters in isolation situations, uh, like thirty three year old Goran Dragic, like spotting up or uh you know trying to break down the defense um jimmy butler gets you he's not jimmy butler's a really good player and he gets you but he's not like a 25 a night guy he's never averaged 25 points per game in his career he he can get you probably closer to like 23 um 
and like I'm not saying that's that's a huge gap, but it's it's a noticeable one for a team that like is in the, in the Heat that's going to be really lacking uh, defensively. Um, like I said, Justin Swinzel has been really good. He's transformed himself into a useful pick and roll playmaker. Uh, he thinks he's a point guard, and I'm I'm inclined to uh, to agree with him. But uh, he's a he's a guy who makes plays for others. But uh, because of his lack of pull up threat, because he's not a guy who's going to take a dribble uh, off in the PNR and like pull up from three, and and if he does do that, you're fine with it. Uh, because he's not that kind of guy, it, it limits the amount of damage that uh, that he can do. Um, if his best move is to you know snake the PNR and then take like an 18 footer, that's exactly the type of look that defenses in today's NBA like want to give to guys. And so like, I I think they'll have I think they'll have trouble with that. Now like don't get me wrong like I'm I'm talking them down but like I I still think they'll be really good. I still think they'll be eighth in the East. Um, Jimmy will be great for, you know, hashtag heat culture. Uh, he's exactly what Pat Riley was looking for in a, in a guy who's going to drive, uh, drive the, the team into uh, what they need to be doing. He's a hard worker and he's going to demand like everybody else on the team work just as hard as he does. Um, but as we've seen in Chicago and as we've seen in Minnesota, um, you know, if everybody's not working to Jimmy's standard, like he can get, he can get kind of toxic. He can get kind of uh, he can he can grate on on teammates, and so uh, you know hashtag he culture will be great as as long as they're winning games and Jimmy's scoring points. If they're not winning games and it's because of the offense, like that that me- I I don't know how that message is going to play for a guy who who just showed up uh, in Jimmy Butler. And uh, you know, like the last thing I'll say about Miami is that. You know, Jimmy Butler, much like Blake Griffin, is an injury risk. Um, maybe he's not just like Blake. Like perhaps he's not like injury, quote unquote, injury prone. Um, but he is a guy who seems to uh, absorb a lot of uh, nicks as, as the season goes along. Um, and you know, if Jimmy misses his customary like fifteen to twenty games, like what are the Heat gonna do on offense? It's just gonna be. It's going to elevate even more of the guys I was talking about earlier. It's going to elevate, you know, Deion Waiters in the in the uh, scoring profile even higher. It's going to elevate uh, a guy like a, like a James Johnson, a playmaking guy like James Johnson, even higher. It's going to elevate like even like a Tyler Hero. It's it's going to that's going to afford him more minutes. And so, I just really struggle to see like uh, how they how they accomplish what they want to accomplish uh, offensively for those like fifteen to twenty games that Jimmy Butler doesn't play. And, you know, for the Pistons, you know, you could say the same thing of the Pistons, uh, but we have the blueprint for what the Pistons will do when, when Blake Griffin, uh, if for, if, if and for the 15 and 20 games he doesn't play, uh, it's, you know, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond in the pick and roll. It's Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond in the pick and roll. It's Luke Kennard, you know, spacing the floor and operating in the pick and roll. Like there, there are, there are other, uh, there are better shot creators, I think, um, there's more there's a little bit more like the diversity of options uh for the pistons than that I'm, that I'm confident in uh than the miami heat you know the uh, the heat were really derailed by injuries last year i think uh goran dragic missing time like really messed them up um in particular uh they they lost wayne ellington halfway through the season like he was one of their better shooters and so you know i think I think 42 to 43 wins and, and the eight, the eighth seed is like a really good spot for Miami. 
but uh, I, ultimately, I think that's like all they're they're going to be capable of. Speaking of capabilities, you will be a much more capable and knowledgeable sports fan when you subscribe to Axio Sports. There are countless ways to keep up with what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. But now, coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Every morning, you'll see the best stories from around the sports world, like uh, from the NBA and the NFL, to uh, niche sports like cricket and ping pong, if that's what you're into. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, though. You just go to sports.axios.com and put in your email address. That's basically all I did. Axios Sports is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. You read it in five minutes on the elevator, or you discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with all your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000, that's a lot of people, 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, no nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself a favor and sign up for the Axios Sports Newsletter for free, free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I, I subscribe to it. It makes me feel more informed without spending time like searching through Twitter every single day. Like I love Twitter, but that gets annoying. So just if you do that instead, it's just way easier. It makes you feel way more informed without spending time clicking through everything. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. Okay, and we're back. Uh, the next team that I want to talk with you guys about is uh, Orlando. The Orlando Magic are uh, projected to win 42 games by 538. They have a uh, elevated 46 percent, uh, 46 win uh, projection from uh, Kevin Pelton's RPM projections, and they won uh, 42 games last year. But right now, I have them at 40 wins, uh, which is you know two under, and uh, in ninth placed in the Eastern Conference. If you guys have been uh, on my Twitter feed at last at last chance or uh, just been uh, listening to what I've been saying and or reading what I've been writing uh, over the course of this offseason, you know that I think Orlando is just flat overrated <laughs> by a lot of by a lot of the numerical projections and by just a lot of the perception uh, around the team uh, in advance of the season. Um, they made it into the playoffs on a, a hot streak. They played. Uh, I think they won something like uh, they won an insane number of games in, in the second half of the season. But when you dig into the schedule, uh, it was really just a quirk of their scheduling um, from in their last 22 games. They played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So they went uh, so out of their last 22 games, they played 14 games against teams that were uh, finished the season under 500. Now that includes teams like uh, like Miami, who they were competing with for a playoff spot at the time. Um, but you know, like if you beat you beat Memphis and uh, you beat New Orleans after the Anthony Davis saga is going on, like you beat you beat the Knicks, you beat Charlotte on the last day of the season. Like I like, I don't. I honestly don't know how how seriously 
I'm supposed to take the Orlando Magic's second half run um, when the schedule presumably <laughs> won't be that that disparate for them uh, throughout the entire year. Um, the the big thing when you look at their roster is that they have so many defense first wings. You, you look at their roster; it's you know defense worst first wing Aaron Gordon, Al Farouk Amino, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Wesley Awundu to uh, to a lesser extent. Um, even a guy like a like a Mar- Michael Carter Williams was uh, you know he's a point guard, but like he wasn't out there like running their offense the whole time. He was out there for his defense and his ability to play make, right? Their their roster, you can't play all of those guys together. I I really struggle to see how you score enough points to compete if you're playing three of you know Gordon Isaac and Aminu on the court at the same time. Like they they acquired Aminu uh, in the off season, gave him uh, three years, roughly thirty million uh, with a player option on the final year, and so you would expect a guy like that to you know factor you know greatly into their rotation and yet like if they can't score points when he's on the floor like that that seems to be a real issue for them uh, this is this is a feature not a bug of john hammond constructed constructed teams uh, john hammond loves himself some athletic defenders who can't shoot but like that is that is really going to be an issue for the orlando magic uh coming into this season uh you know, another thing that's going to be an issue for them is the presumable, uh, not not necessarily assured, but assumed regression from Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Vucevic last year was an all-star, had the best offensive season of his career, um, but it was a contract year. He is now 29. Um, he's, I won't say there's... I'm not going to say he's going to be bad or anything, but he was he was elite offensively for them last year. And if he falls from elite to just like really good or great, um, that that really impacts like how you have to guard them and, and the threat level that their starting lineup presents. Um, I, I don't think that uh, I don't Vucevic shot. Um, I think he shot like 35 percent from three. Uh last year after you know hovering in the in the 30 percents if he only quote-unquote only shoots like 32 percent from three this year that's still pretty good for a big with his usage but um that's not going to be enough spacing that's not going to be enough points uh for the magic to to stay afloat offensively um, another guy who might be kind of in for a little bit of regression is terrence ross uh but that's more because terrence ross was uh, in a contract year and uh he takes a lot of tough shots um, he makes a lot of tough shots, um, but uh, I expect that he and he was also like a really important part of their spacing last year. Uh, his ability to to come off screens and make tough shots um, was big for them and forced defenses to account for that. And if he's less able, not like completely unable, but if he's less able to do do that on a uh, on a consistent basis, that also hurts them offensively. Um, that said, they they do have like some really big like swing potential in the addition of Markel Fultz. You know, there was video that came out last week. We got a look at Markel Fultz shooting. Uh, he did, in fact, shoot jumpers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we and the shot looks. Uh, I honestly can't tell you. I'm not a shot doctor. Um, it looked fluid enough. There was there was some hitch, but it looked. Uh, 
it looked like something that he could use at, at the NBA level. And so uh, I was a guy who was really high on faults coming into the draft. Um, I called him the, the best uh, point guard prospect since uh, Damian Lillard. Um, and he's a guy who's got the requisite size and ability to finish and just athletic ability and uh, that he's got all the tools you would look for in a point guard. Um, but if he can't, and it's, well, no, let me be positive. Let me be positive. And so if, if that guy is what we expected him to be coming into like his second year, um, from, uh, from an athletic perspective, from a defensive perspective, just from a confidence perspective, if he's able to make, uh, open, he's able to make the occasional open shots and be respected by defenses like that will be a huge plus for Orlando. Like they will really, really appreciate a guy who can create shots like he can. And so like if, if faults hits, like I can see, I can see a world in which they hit like that 46 win projection RPM has them at, right? Like I don't, I'm not leaning on that. I don't expect that, which is why I've got them at 40 wins and out of the playoffs. But like, I definitely see, you know, how that's possible. Um, you know, when I look at the way that they played the Pistons last year, they, uh, they lost three out of the four games that they played, uh, the Pistons last year. And, uh, it was mostly because, like, in, in most games, the Pistons just had the two best players in the series. Uh, Blake Griffin is clearly the best player on either of these teams, and Andre Drummond um, was better than Nikola Vucevic for, for these individual matchups. Um, and that's that's really big. The Magic aren't... Uh, the Magic are deep. Um, they have a lot of rotation talent, and they have a lot of rotation size and, and strength on the wing. But again, like, skill uh beats uh skill beats size in in today's nba and uh unless the unless the magic are you know playing aaron gordon at the three and and posting him up against tony snell the entire time like you you struggle to see how they can consistently take advantages of the uh of the size matchups that they're going to have on a night-to-night basis um again it's it's not immediately clear to me like how the magic score points like uh you would think that they could get out and get up and down in transition, but that's not really the the game plan that Steve Clifford, uh, that's not really in Steve Clifford's like bag of tricks. Um, you would think that, uh, they'd be able to crash the, the offensive glass and produce points that way. Um, and maybe that's something they lean a little bit heavier into. That's something that, uh, you know, I would heavily consider, um, maybe Jonathan Isaac, who, uh, definitely, uh, improved linearly as the season went on um but is still like not very respected as a shooter maybe that guy in his uh in his third year is somebody that uh improves for them offensively and gives them the the scoring punch that they're looking for but yeah like this team is just really gonna struggle to to score points night in and night out um they were uh, they were 22nd in the league in offensive rating just just under the pistons at, at 21st but uh with uh with a 108.2 offensive rating. Um, and like, that was a lot of that was, you know, the, the best year Nikola Vucevic has ever had, right? Like one of the better years Terrence Ross has ever had. And, um, they got, they got a lot better when they exercised, uh, the really poor play of Jonathan Simmons, uh, Mo Bamba and, uh, Jeremy Grant from their rotation. Um, 
you know, Markel Fultz will hopefully take over, will take over the backup point guard role, hopefully for them. And he'd be better than Jeremy Grant or, uh, Jeremy Grant's brother, Jerrion, Jerrion Grant. There we go. His name escaped me. I apologize. But, uh, but yeah, like uh, how much better is he, is he going to be than like Michael Carter Williams offensively? Like that is an open question. The answer is probably better, but how much better is, is an open question. Um, they're going to have some really odd lineups. They're going to have times when it's like, uh, you know, Isaac Gordon, uh, Alfred Camino, and they're just not going to be able to, to shoot enough to, to score points. Like you guys know, I'm a, uh, my, the Blazers, I'm a huge Damian Lillard stand and that the Blazers are like my secondary team. And like, I, I watched a, a good bit of Alfred Camino, like over the last couple seasons. And like, he's a guy who he can, he can make open threes, but like, you know, the defenses don't uh, play him to to do so, and he's not really a guy who can put the ball on the floor and and play make uh, when uh, the defense collapses on somebody else. And like that is why he's not playing in Portland anymore, right? Like that's why that's why he's on the Magic. Um, and so yeah, like when when I look at how the Pistons beat them last year, it was it was offensively, and the the Pistons got better on on offense for the most part. And so I don't, I don't really see a world in which, uh, the magic are, are better than the Pistons. Like I really, it's, it's a world in which Markel Fultz is really good. And I, I don't know how likely that is to be perfectly honest with you. All right. Last, but, uh, certainly not least are the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Indiana is projected to win 39 games by 538. They're projected to win 42 games by, uh, the Kevin Pelton's RPM flavored projections uh, they won 48 games last year, um, but uh, you know they they really struggled. Well, they they won games after Victor Oladipo went down, but it was a lot of a uh, it was a lot of struggle on their part. And uh, right now, I have them at 45 wins and at sixth place in the East. I actually have them above the Pistons, who I have at at 43 wins uh, as of right now. Uh, the big thing with the Pacers, who I like, I like what they did in this offseason a lot. I think they're going to be a really good team, but uh, the health of Victor Oladipo is really the the biggest thing for them. Um, we the right now the current timetable for Victor Oladipo is that he will be back in December. Um, that's he'll miss the first two months of the season. Um, if you read the reports from India media, Indiana media, they uh, expect Victor Oladipo to try and recover try and make a recovery that is earlier than that and try and play a little bit earlier in the year. Uh, however, if you remember, like that was what got Vic in trouble last year, right? He was, he had lost some of the athleticism he had displayed in the, um, in the 17, 18 season. Um, and he was playing, he was, he was just, he was slightly less effective than he was in that first Indiana season. But uh, you could definitely tell, like, he was athletically hampered. Um, you could especially, like, see it, I think, on, like, the defensive end. There was um, a lot less of the, uh, there's a lot less of him, like, hounding guys. And he was causing a lot less havoc uh, on, on that end. Um, and I think that really impacted the Pacers. And then, obviously, uh, he went down and uh, their season um, kind of coasted from there. And then, you know, when Vic went down, the big, the, the guys that stepped up for them were, were Thad Young and were Boyan Bogdanovich. And, you know, those guys are, are no longer on the team. Um, those were the, those were 
a lot of like really experienced alongside Darren Collison, like really experienced uh, veteran leadership that the team, you know, doesn't have anymore. Um, right now they've got young vets. They, uh, they added, you know, Malcolm Brogdon in restricted free agency. They signed uh, Jeremy Lamb and they signed TJ Warren. Um, and those guys are, they are vets. They're not, they're not kids. They're not rookies. Uh, Brogdon is a veteran of multiple playoff series. Um, TJ Warren's just like really happy to not be in Phoenix anymore, I imagine. But um, yeah, like that, that is a lot of leadership and uh, I'm you need this fuzzy words, right? There, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of experience that it's going out the door for the Pacers. And, and you wonder how, uh, you know, without Oladipo to start the year, you wonder how they will be able to replace that in the locker room. You know, like, you know, in, in hard, in hardcore concrete basketball terms. Um, the other thing is like, uh, as much as I like Malcolm Brogdon, as much as I like Jeremy Lamb, and as much as I like TJ Warren, um, Oladipo is really the, the straw that stirs the drink for that team. Um, once, once he is back, they are a much more, uh, deadly offensive team and all the pieces kind of fit into place. But, uh, you know, without Victor Oladipo, this team is relying on like, Seem is relying on Malcolm Brogdon to create shots. They're they're relying on uh, a guy like Miles Turner to uh, be a better spacing threat than he's been in, in the past. They're relying on um, they're relying on a guy like T.J. Warren to to space the floor when he had like a re- he had a really impressive hot streak to start the season last year and then got hurt. So we don't know how real his uh, newfound shooting stroke is, and so. Like there's just uh for me and they're playing the two bigs, uh, they're playing Sabonis and Turner at the uh, at the same time. Um, it came out during their media day uh, in the past that uh, that was more of a they were more acquiescing to Demontis Sabonis's desire to uh, play a larger role within the team within the organization um, than you know uh, any philosophical uh, desire to play two bigs at the same time. I think that's. So it might be a case of they're doing something that I think will work out for them. I think it'll benefit them. I think, you know, Turner offers uh, enough spacing that they can play like high low. Uh, Sabonis is a really good passer and he works really well in the the DHO and pick and roll game. And so I don't think they'll be as cramped. I don't think their floor, their floor spacing will be as cramped as a, as an Orlando or as a, as a Miami, even, uh, even though you know they're they're playing two quote unquote bigs because of Miles Turner, but uh, you know that's not like they uh, they're a little bit forced into this. This isn't like a philosophical like dedication to to playing two bigs, and so you wonder how much uh, the two bigs will actually play together if it'll just be uh, the the nominal start for Sabonis before he becomes the the backup center for for most of the minutes, and you wonder if they'll they'll close games with the two bigs honestly. Um, you know, Sabonis is not a, a very good defender. Um, and Miles Turner, w- who improved leaps and bounds last year defensively, but was helped uh, tremendously by Thad Young on that end as well. Uh, you wonder how Turner will be impacted by the loss of, of Thad Young um, as a defensive player. And so, you know, even if they're playing two bigs, I think they'll I still think they'll still be uh, set defensively, but you don't know exactly uh, how good that that defense will be you know when i when i talk to indiana when i talk to indiana media um they always point to uh dan burke 
the assistant coach for the Pacers, who's the uh, the defensive coordinator, who's a guy who's always, uh, you know, thinking about ways to uh, get the Pacers into better defensive sets, and he's just like a real uh, wizard on, on that end. And so you you imagine that uh, that'll continue, but uh, yeah, again, like they're just they're playing two bigs uh, because they're forced to contractually. Or not contractually, they're forced to by by their players, not because they they want to be playing two bigs, and so we'll see how that situation resolves itself. You know, Sabonis is up for extension; he's up for an extension. I haven't heard if there's any movement on that front. Um, everyone's favorite uh, fake uh, trade involves like a Boston wing for uh, one of the Indiana bigs, and so uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, the, the last thing that really kind of strikes me when you go up and down the Pacers roster is how, how young they are on the back half of the roster. Um, when you get, you get beyond the starting lineup and like, they're going to be relying on like Aaron holiday to play backup point guard minutes, you know, hopefully he can beat out TJ McConnell. Um, they're relying on Edmund Sumner maybe to play backup, you know, wing minutes. Uh, they got, uh, Justin holiday. They got uh, T.J. Leaf, a guy who, you know, they they selected in the first round a couple years ago who it'd be nice if they got, like, a contribution from, right? They uh, they drafted, excuse me, they drafted a third big man in, in Goga Batazzi. And uh, presumably, um, if if uh, if Sabonis is going to be uh, in the starting lineup, like, presumably he will see some backup center minutes. And so you... you uh, there were a lot of people who were highly impressed with Goga coming out of college or coming out of Georgia, the country, if I recall correctly, if I don't, I apologize. But, um, you know, he was a guy who I think a lot of people said was, was impressive for his age for a big man. Um, but you don't know how effective he will be in the NBA, you know, right away. It's a, it's an open question. And so, like, when, when you look at all these guys with, you know, one, two, or three years of experience that uh, appear to be, you know, minor factors into the rotation, that's a little worrying. Like, I like Aaron Holiday a lot, but, like, if, if he's your backup point guard, like, I don't know what that means for you uh, in the long term. And so, you know, the Pistons, I think the despite the fact that the uh, I have them winning more games than the Pistons, um, I think the Pistons will be better than them for all of their matchups. For one, the Pistons will play them, I think, four times before Christmas again. So, and so that'll be a weird scheduling quirk. Um, and hopefully they'll they'll miss Victor Oladipo for the bulk of those games. Um, and you know they'll so the Pacers won't be healthy to start the year, and the Pistons will be. Um, you you wonder about uh, you wonder how Victor Oladipo will look when he returns uh i'm reminded of uh reggie jackson's prp summer uh, the summer he got uh prp uh therapy in, in his knees and missed the first 20 games of the year and you know in his stead the pistons went 10 and 10 uh ish smith was uh, relatively effective like as as the starting point guard and then reggie came back and the chemistry was never quite right and uh, reggie maybe rushed back a little bit too much he was only playing like generously like 80% of what he was capable of uh, you, you with a guy who's, uh, and then, you know, and that, that ruined the, that influenced the season negatively for the Pistons uh, with a guy who's as competitive as Victor Oladipo is, 
you wonder if that is all that should also be concerned. You wonder if uh, the team is going to do if they start off poorly or if it looks like they're not scoring enough or, uh, you know, if something happens to Malcolm Brogdon, who has uh, had foot issues in the past. And that's why he dropped into the second round. You wonder if if uh, there's a, a confluence of factors that influences Victor Oladipo to try and rush his rehab to, to get back earlier and uh and then then he's not as effective for this Pacers team and that that would be that would be and then you you wonder like what this team would look like if Victor Victor Oladipo isn't the guy he was even even last season and but more so the the season before last and so you know if you could if you could guarantee me that the the Pacers would stay afloat while Victor Oladipo is out, I would feel you know even more secure about my selection of them uh, over the Pistons in the regular season. But uh, you know you can't guarantee that. Um, but for right now, I feel good about them. I feel good about the Pacers uh, over the Pistons just because of uh, their uh, because of the talent that they added this offseason um, of of the of the uh, players that between the players that the Pistons and Pacers added this offseason, I think um, Brogdon and Warren in particular are just better than anybody else that the Pistons added. And so you, you expect that that keeps them afloat until Oladipo's return. That's the plan for them. I think it's an effective one, but uh, I I wonder if, if, if that plan short circuits, like there will be, there will be an opportunity for the Pistons to elevate themselves over the Pacers and you know maybe climb as high as like sixth or fifth uh, in the Eastern Conference if given the chance. So yeah, uh, those are those are the three teams that I think the Pistons will be really competing with during the regular season. Um, yeah, this has been this has been the podcast. Uh, this is this has been a labor of love uh, for me. I was really excited to uh, to do something a little bit different for you guys to to branch out and. Uh, I was really pleased to be contacted by the by the Blue Wire guys to to do something for them that I think Pistons fans will will really enjoy. So if you like this podcast, if you want more, if you have ideas, if you have comments, um, leave a rating and review on iTunes or your Android or uh, Google the Google Play Store. Um, you can email me at uh, Pistons versus Everybody at Gmail dot com. That's Pistons vs Everybody, all one word at gmail.com if you email me uh if you take the time to write it i will definitely take the time to read it i might not respond in an email but you know maybe you're uh you give me some something that i think can be like a nugget that could be used in a future podcast that would be that would be really cool um you can follow me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e i hope to have a twitter feed for the podcast itself up and running in the not just in the future I'm excited to see what what we do on that front. Maybe like a little bit more like social media stuff. I'm gonna take a crash course and <laughs> figure out some stuff. But uh, yeah, like media media day is on Monday. The season is like just around the corner. Um, it's it's gonna be a really interesting regular season. I can't wait to see how it plays out, and I can't wait to see uh, the Pistons, you know, beat the Heat, the Magic, and the and the Pacers. Uh, some in in that order, um, you know. Till uh, till next week, uh, this has been Pistons versus Everybody, and uh, we will talk to you guys later. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, 
guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than going to go see a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The last time I went to go see a doctor, it was because my chest was on fire. It was indigestion. I'm fine. It was around my birthday. I ate a lot of food. I was pretty embarrassed, to be quite honest with you. The same is true for erectile dysfunction, though. If I had erectile dysfunction, I would also be embarrassed. Studies show, however, that 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. And getting started is super simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and you complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe a genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Like, that sounds like something you would want super fast. So free two-day shipping. Pretty nice. Guys, go talk to the doctor, even if your chest hurts because you ate too much food. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get it checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. My chest is fine. Thanks for asking.